0: Uh, We want to say we're ready for the judgment day. The problem is at times we have that tendency of believing that the judgment day ain't today. It's going to come later. We live in a world that believes that too, do they not? Uh, I was thinking as we were singing that that If we would understand what was involved in the judgment day or eternity and punishment, it ought to be enough to convict us not to even desire that. But that's also true in the physical realm. You've heard me mention before that I was able to spend some time working in a maximum security prison and was able to spend about six months Talking to residents on death row. That ought to be enough to convince anybody. If anybody's been there, this is not where you want to be. Do not come here. But everybody thinks it's not going to happen to them. We think life is going to be extended. Our sympathy goes to those in El Reno, Oklahoma, and other places where the tornadoes have gone through; lives are suddenly lost. But I always hear the same statement every time something like that happens. It reminds them that whatever they lost was things, and their life was spared. Some did lose their life, I'm saying, but basically they were grateful that their lives were spared. The question is, what are we going to do with the life that has been spared? How are we going to use it for the glory of God? Are you ready for that journey into eternity? Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthians in that fourth chapter, and in the first five verses, has this to say, Let a man consider us as servants of Christ, and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful, But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know nothing against myself. Yet, I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. The day is coming. But the question is, when? When? We tend to believe it's going to be farther down the road. Just a little bit farther than where we are currently whatever that age may be. From the young babies up to those in the 90s, we're thinking, just, you know, not yet, just a little bit farther down the road is where we want to go. And do not realize the brevity or the quickness that life can be lost. We see it every day. We see it every single day, how quickly a life can be lost three cars, maybe drag racing in Dallas, and hit a car and kill a nine-year-old girl. There's no guarantee. There's none at all. The guarantee is we're not getting out of this world alive. But the reminder is, how are we preparing for that day that indeed will come? John reminds us in the first epistle of John, John, And in chapter 5, in verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This is not that guarantee that some wanted to 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 be But that you may know that you have eternal life. I want to be ready for when that day comes. And oh, what a day that will be. But indeed, oh, what a day that will be. But it is both positive and negative. as you read the scriptures Matthew 7:21 through 23 for example not everyone who says unto me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will come to me in that day and say lord lord haven't we done and they will enumerate many good works that they have done Take time to read those works that they are describing that they've done. And he will say unto them, depart from me ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. The thought that one thinks they are prepared to find out in eternity that they are not prepared has to be one of those great shocks. What about you? And what about me? John earlier had mentioned in the first letter. Or the first chapter of 1 John. And in verse 7. But if we walk in the light. As he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us. From all sin. There is a condition there is there not. If we walk in the light. Jesus is the light. God is the light. God's word is the light. If we walk in that, we're going to have fellowship with one another, which we need to cherish greatly. It's what sees us through this world, isn't it? It's what encourages us to go through this world. You're not alone. You've got a brother and a sister there. You're not alone. You've got people who have been up and down the scale with you. Gone through things, some of them much worse than you're going through. And they can encourage you. You can read the scriptures, read what Paul went through and he says, no. Momentary light affliction. And every time I read that passage, I think about Paul being stoned with rocks, drug out of a city, left for dead. And he says, that is a momentary light affliction. Seems a little bit more than that but in comparison to eternity with God. How else would you view it? It's just a physical life. It can only be a momentary, and it can only be light, because God is there with me. But it's caused us to rethink, are we indeed going to walk in the light as he is in the light? To see what it is that God would want us to do so that we can be prepared for that day, that, that great day that is coming and anticipate it. Not to be no dread that we have for that day. The dread is for those who are unprepared, the dread is for those who think they are prepared. The dread is for those who have just flatly, blatantly cursed God to his face and have nothing to do with him. There is something to fear there. We had talked a little bit in the auditorium class this morning in, in class. Now, how do you conceive of eternity? How do you get your hand wrapped your mind wrapped around eternity? is this beyond our comprehension and eternity with god or eternity without god knowing a little bit about the physical punishment death row maximum security prison is enough to want me to stay on the straight and narrow But the reason I stay on the straight and narrow is not because I don't want to be on death row. It's because I want to do the good and enjoy the life. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder. There used to be a show, I think they called it Sting. It was a show where they videotape, audiotape, crooks dealing with stolen goods. And they taped him for a period of about five years. And I was thinking, that would be me if I was going to do something like that. That would be me. I would be here fencing items, taking them in, dealing out cash, thinking life is merry and everything's going my way, and not know for five years they've been videotaping and audiotaping everything that was done in the store. And then they finally come in and shut him down. I don't want to live life that way. Jesus says, if I live the good life, there is no looking over your shoulder. If you're doing what's right, there is no looking over your shoulder. I want to do good because Jesus says, that's the good thing to do. That's the right thing to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do good unto those that are your enemies. Heap coals of fire upon their head. Do good. Then you don't have to worry. You walk in the light as He is in the light. He's the one that walks with you. It changes life. It makes it worth living. It makes you anticipate. As good as life is here for the children of God, how much greater will it be in eternity? If I can see His blessings and enjoy His blessings that I receive from His Word, that I take to heart What will it be to be in his actual presence? I want to see that. So that's the goal. You set your goals, which way you want to go. And I prefer to set the goal that would lead to that eternal life with God. Flip it over for just a second. You're standing before Jesus. And he asks the question, Why should I let you into heaven? What are you going to answer? Well, I did this and I did that and so on and so forth. Well, you talking about works? There are no works to get into heaven in that sense. It's a gift. Romans 6:23. The wages of sin is death. And we need to spend time on that to catch that concept. What is earned? Is death. You may find a person here or there, but for the most part, you are not going to find a person who is going to labor for 40 hours during the week, and at the end of that week, you're going to sell the boss, you just keep the paycheck, I don't need it. I don't want it. This yours, have at it. No, I've earned it, I want it. The wages of sin, transgression against God, Regardless of what it is, how major or how minor it is, that wages death, separation from God eternally. But the gift of God, hmm, that's the other side of it. That's the good side again, see? That's the good side. The gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord, it's through Him. Then you have to read scriptures of how you get into Christ. And the world wants to stop by saying, Yeah, I believe Jesus, but I'm not doing what he says. Well, you don't believe Jesus. I've always found that interesting. Yes, call calling the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You don't believe that. How can you call him Lord, Luke six forty six. How can you call him Lord? If you're not going to do what he says. How can you believe he is a savior of your sins. If you're not going to repent of them. It doesn't make sense. But to them it does. Why? Because I do not want to change. I have to change to become a new life. And that's hard for us to work with. There have been a movie too out and I haven't seen them and don't really care to see them. Of those who have done some comedy about what a baby goes through in the womb. What's in their mind, what they're saying, what they're speaking. Look who's talking. Uh, What's going on with that. And then how they they fight, as it appears, to be born. Because they've never been there before. I have no idea what's out there. And then they find out. We fight sometimes to be born again. I'm afraid what's out there. I've heard people say, it's too tough. It's too hard to live the Christian life. You're asking too much of me. What you're looking at, you've missed it. It's asking a lot more than you're you're thinking about. It's asking you to die to self. And take up that cross and follow Jesus. Once you're dead. Then you don't have to worry about it. There's no pain in death. After you're dead. It's gone. I worry about the physical. It's going to be gone. I want that spiritual. And the willingness to follow him. The gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift. We cannot earn it nor do we deserve it. But it's ours if we accept it. I've often said, no, there is, again, no unconditional gift. Every gift has a condition on it, whatever it may be. I'll give you a hypothetical offer because I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I was holding up a $20 bill and said, I give it to the first person who comes up and gets it. Would you believe it? I've done it with a five. That's about as high as I could go. I don't have one on me. That's why I won't, don't do it. And I had them sitting out there. And usually I, I, I will restrict it, sorry, adults to the children. Because <laughs> the children, I mean, the adults already know what it's about. But the children don't. They sit there and look at it. And I look at parents and children. And they're nudging their kids. Say, like, go up there, get it, get it. it. You know? <laughs> do it. And I've had it set up here on the pulpit for a whole sermon. And nobody would come and get it. None of the kids. And then, true to human nature, after the service is over, I've had a child come up to me and say, can I have that now? No. The condition is over. You're what? What? too late. You waited too long. There are conditions and we need to be mindful of that. Are we willing to follow through those in our life? Sin is a transgression of the law of God. That's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's in 1 John 2 in ver- chapter 3 and verse 4. It's a transgression of the law. Not doing what God had asked us to do. And history is full of it. I've said many times and I, I believe it, it has more application than this to Adam and Eve and I've mentioned it to several here. What Satan did to Eve and then ultimately to Adam is the crux of the matter, is it not? What did he convince Eve of when he changed that one word? Or add it one word. Thou shall not surely die. And that's Satan's big tool, is it not? You're not going to die. Listen, talk to those in the world and see what they say. Oh, God's not going to punish me. That's not going to happen. No, no, there's nothing beyond the grave. I'm not, you know, I'm okay. I'm not going to die Spiritually is their concept. We've gotten into that hook, line, and sinker as the saying goes. But there is a death, a spiritual death. We transgress the law of God. It matters not what the sin is. Every sin is that transgression of the law of God. And again, what kind of death are we talking about? Turn over to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And Paul is reminding them in verse 5 that if you've done what is right, you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. For since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and and to give you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, Verses 8 and 9, that ought to send shivers up and down your spine. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And there you ought to look at Romans 1 and verse 20. Creation tells you that there is a God and therefore they are without excuse. Who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't say well, all you have to do is believe. It says, who do not obey, who do not do his bidding, who do, not, who do not do his word, what he's given to us in the life that we live. And these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Punished with everlasting destruction. That involves that little white line. That involves this stretching the truth a little bit, as well as the big black sins and whatever else as we want to categorize them. Sin results in death. The blood of Jesus in obedience to Him results in eternal life. But the choice is ours as we live our lives here and a willingness to do what he would want us to do. We are guilty of sin. The solution? Ha, the grace of God. Without it, there is no life. The grace of God. Giving us what we need as opposed to what we deserve. Knowing our weaknesses and have already planned for the remedy to have those weaknesses or those sins removed from us, but the price was tremendous. The price was the death of God's Son, in order that we might be redeemed. The song we sing, "I've been redeemed, I've been redeemed with the blood of the lamb. The redemption price. It's interesting, as the different terms are used by God in describing what he's done, the one of redemption, to buy back, to bring back to the owner, if you will, or to the parent of of the child, whatever it may be. But you know, the redemption price is not based upon the child. The redemption price is based on the worth of the child to the parent. How much does the parent love the child? For a child's kidnapped, what are you willing to pay to get them back? You name it. (laughs) It's what it is, is it not? You name it. I want the child back. I'll I'll give you whatever it is I I can have to give you. It's the worth to the parents. Saying that a little bit to say, how much are you worth to God Almighty? How much does he love you? Paul describes that in Romans 5, 8 through 10. Beautiful section to read from time to time. Gives you that price. If God so loved us that while we were enemies of his, he gave his son to die for us, how much more do you believe he loves you now that you are not his enemy, but now that you are his child? If his love goes that far to the enemy, how much greater is it for the child? That's how much he loves you not the fear of hell. That may enter into the fact of periodically, but that's not the motivating force in our life. It needs to be how much the Father loves me. How much has he been willing to do, is doing, and will do for me to be with him eternally in heaven? Cannot even imagine the depths of that love. But ought to be extremely uh, grateful and full of gratitude that he did it. And that is offered. It's offered as a gift. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and I am lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. There's a motivating force again and a different light to help us along the way. We have to be willing to believe in Jesus. To understand, and I challenge the members periodically and continue to do so, you need to every once in a while, the scriptures use the terms, it's not wrong to use those terms, that's that's we need to do. But every once in a while, you need to take the terms that we use, Lord Jesus Christ Messiah, the scripture uses all those terms and he uses them often sometimes together. The Lord Jesus Christ our Messiah. Take each one and look at each one. Lord. What makes him Lord? By doing his will. Luke 6:46. Jesus. Matthew 121. You shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from what? Their sins. If I call him Jesus, I'm believing he's saving me from my sins. How can I call him Lord if I won't do what he says? He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. If I don't, Jesus said that. If I don't do what he says, how can I believe, how can I call him Lord? Or how can I call him Jesus? How can I call him Savior? He shall save their people from their sins. He's Savior because I'm a sinner. He doesn't take me in my sins. I have to have those sins washed away. As I confess who he is. And then when I'm buried with him in the water grave of baptism to be raised to walk a new life, then I can be a child of the living God and the Messiah, the prophesied one. He is who was foretold. For us as read as we read Ephesians 1 4 from the foundation of the world. He is the one God chose to save his creation, the human beings. But they have to accept that. Then Jesus says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. How much do we love him? How much do we do what he says? It's not a drudgery, it's not a hardship not a difficulty. I walk hand in hand with the Lord. How can I call that a drudgery? Whatever I face, he's already promised he's going to be with me. I've always enjoyed and I appreciate it. And, and one of those, again, I, I like to keep in my mind is First Corinthians 10, 13. Listen, there is no temptation that you face. Don't care what it is. Each one is different. But there's no temptation that you face, but such as is common to man. Oftentimes we get that impression. You really don't know what I'm going through. No, no. I'm not, he's not designed something specially for me that he's, he hasn't done on somebody else, Satan. You know. No, whatever I face is common to mankind. That's what I need to understand one Satan is doing is laying that before me, and I'm the one that has to, uh, the one that may give in to it. You know, I have the desire or the King James has the lust, and I was talking one reason we're talking about uh, you know, Peter's statement, you know, or James' statement that you are enticed, and then you give in to it and you sin, and then sin brings forth death. King James, it's your lust, it's his sin, and then it's death. I said, LSD. (laughs) That's the LSD passage. It's death. You follow that, it's death. But I don't need to. Because the rest of the verse says, but God is faithful. He will not, underscore, will not. He's involved in your life. God will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. But with every temptation, notice the wording. God's word has all the answers that we need. It says, will we listen to him? With every temptation, we'll provide a way of escape. The human being has that tendency. I've got a temptation here. And I tell you what, I'm going to deal with it until I overcome it. Scripture says there's a time to move. Time to go in the escape. It's the opposite direction. Move away from it. You don't have to deal with it right now. Get some strength. Go get some reinforcements. Whatever it takes, you know, but it's up to you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's your choice. Which one are you going to do? If you listen to the devil, you go his way. But there's an eternal consequence. Are you prepared to enter into eternity? You decide. You're making those decisions along the way. Live for Jesus and his disciple ever be. That's what we need to do. We need to do what we're going to see. I am resolved, no longer to linger. Charm by the world's delight. They have no attraction to me. I want to go to heaven. I need to be prepared. Because I've learned in life, <laughs> life has its ups and its downs and an unexpectedness, and there's no guarantee as how long you're going to live. There's a program out there somewhere I'm seeing advertised, w app. That's what the world is today, apps. You, know, you got this app for the phone, you got an app. There's an app out there. Now, I don't know what it is, so don't ask me. The app is, you can go to this app, you plug in your birth date, you plug in some other figures, how about, you know, what size are you, and so on and so forth. And that app will do some figuring, and it will tell you how long you have to live. You've got a thousand and fifty-five days to go, according to what what you fed me. This is how long you're going to live. Not if you step out in front of a vehicle <laughs> doing sixty miles an hour. You ain't going to live. <laughs> it's this. I'm just saying, we like that. that, See, somebody's come up with a nap. I want to know about how long I'm going to live. Because I want to live in the world for 1,049 days. And just before that 1,050th day, I want to change my life and serve God. Those waiting until the 11th hour to change their life, sometimes they need to understand the Lord may come at 1030. And you'll be unprepared. I am resolved, are you? We're going to sing the song. Our singing is to teach and to admonish one another. Our singing is to encourage one another. Our singing is to edify one another and challenge one another. So as we're that song, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. If you need to make a change in your life, if your life is not where it needs to be, and if you're not prepared to enter into eternity, you need to make the change. If we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.